Today we're going to look at one verse from uh, the book of Romans, Romans 8, 28. The title of the message is All Things, and uh, prayerfully, uh, those two words will be words that uh, you'll be able to use about many things in your life in the past, uh, but also about things in the present and things that might arise in the future. I'm going to read the verse from two different translations and then we're going to break the verse down and, and look at it in its component parts under seven different headings. The verse, Romans 8, 28, first from the English Standard Version. It reads, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. That's one translation of the verse. And then, from the New American Standard Bible, the same verse reads a little differently. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You might not see any difference between the two translations, but I prefer the New American Standard Bible translation of that. Now, the first thing that we want to consider is the certainty of this promise. You look at a promise like that in your Bible and you say, well, that, uh, that might work, that might be true. No, there, it, it is a certainty. Um, in the Greek context, the words that come first in a sentence are always very important. And the way this begins in the Greek is simply this way. We are knowing. We are knowing. That's the literal words in the Greek. We are knowing. Paul says this is not conjecture. This is an absolute certainty. He said we know this to be true. It's not something that might be true. It is not something that is true under some circumstances. This is an absolute certainty. We know this to be true. So in that quick of a moment, we've looked at the first component part of this verse, the certainty of the promise. Number two, we want to consider the beneficiaries of the promise. And the second part of the verse reads, we are knowing that to the ones loving God. That's the way it reads literally in the Greek. These are the beneficiaries of the promise. These are the people to whom the promise is made. Last week we considered the verses that came just before it about how the Spirit intercedes, not for everybody, but for the saints according to the will of God. And so here, this promise is not for everybody. There are particular beneficiaries to this promise, and they are the people who love God. And for those who love God, the thing we read next is, we are knowing that to the ones loving God, and then there's one Greek word, not two, one Greek word, one little word that just says all, all. Everything, all things, the whole, all things. And those two words are hopefully a refrain that will ring over and over in your mind this week as you consider your own life and your own circumstances. The direct focus of God in all things is for the sake of those who love Him. Now, so we've considered the certainty of this promise, number one. Second, the beneficiaries of this promise, and now we consider the scope of the promise as it's outlined in the verse itself, and it says there, 
all things. No less than that. That's everything that happens. Everything. I don't know that if you find a, a verse in Scripture, I guess all things whatsoever you pray, believing you'll receive, that's that broad. But this is pretty broad in scope. Romans 8, 28. All things. All things. He doesn't say some things or most things, but all things. Now, what kind of man makes a sweeping statement like that, like this one the Apostle Paul made? Only a person who believes it, who's convinced of it. Now, first, what things is he talking about when he says all things? Does he have particular things in mind? Well, yes, he does. If you go back to verse 18 in the 8th chapter, he began to talk about the sufferings of this present time. And so, in the context of the verse, Romans 8.28, the, the, the sufferings of the present time in Romans 8.18 are included in this. Now, sufferings obviously are not something that are good. Paul never says they are good. Sufferings are hard. Sufferings are bad. But now we come to the, to the verb in the sentence. Greek verbs always have an actor attached. In other words, if I say I am going to town. That's I am going is my verb. And I use three words to say it. I am going. But in Greek, they only use one word to say I am going. It's one word. But embedded in that word is always the person who's acting. I am going. You are going. He is going. And so the verb in this sentence says he is working. And so now we consider the overruling hand of providence behind the scene of this promise. And that's the fourth point that we want to make. The overruling hand of providence behind the scene of this promise. And that is God himself. That's why I like the New American Standard Bible translation because it says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. It is God who is working. And by the way, the verb here is a word that you know, that you use. It is a Greek word that you use. Synergy. Synergy. And it means a collaboration. It means a bringing together. And it is God who is creating this synergy so that that is the exact Greek word that's used there, so that all things come together to work together to one end. So how am I to understand this verse? Well, it's telling us that behind the scenes of your sufferings and my sufferings, there is a power at work to overrule the pain of that suffering and the negative of that suffering, to bring about good from that suffering, not only good, but even more, God's glory. It brings God's glory because one day we find ourselves telling the story of God's goodness and God's greatness and how he worked the most awful of trials into a marvelous blessing or a lesson. That's not just true about some things or about some difficulties or about some sufferings. The Bible says here it is true about all things. Now let's, let's be honest. There are some things that are so painful, so hurtful, that you don't see how anything good could ever come out. It's so painful, as a matter of fact, that at this present moment, you, you might have a hard time talking about it or bringing your mind around that painful experience. And you say it's, it's painful, it's, it's awful, it's, it's bad, and in one way, 
you're correct. There's, there's nothing good about that experience. The Bible never says that. But what the Bible does say here is that through the overruling power of God's providence, an experience like that, surrendered to Him and laid at His feet, has the potential for good in your life and the lives of others. Let me just go and tell you a story in the New Testament, and it's the one that stands out in my mind as I studied this passage of Scripture, and it's about the, the synagogue ruler who had the little daughter who was sick. His name was Jairus, and his little daughter was at the point of death. You remember he came to get Jesus to bring him to his house, and, and on the way to his house, he got word from his house that his little daughter had died. That's awful. That's, that's absolutely awful. And the Bible says there that Jesus overheard that he overheard that word. He overheard the news because the, what the people said was, the people that came to him said, don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter has died. Jesus overheard that. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus went to that home, and what did he do when he got to that home? He overruled that. He, he raised that little girl from the dead. Now I know that doesn't happen in every circumstance. I just give it to you as an illustration that of the awful things that come into our lives, the hurtful things, the painful things, here is something that only God can do. Only God can take something hurtful and painful and work it into good. Now on what basis does he say that? On what basis does he believe it? Well, first Paul believes it based on what he said previously about the character of God. First, God's given us of his spirit. He's given us of his spirit. His spirit bears witness with us that we're the children of God. Jesus would say, what man among you, if his son asked for a bread, would he give him a stone or a snake? You're not, you're not a dad like that. You're good. You give your children what's good. Your, God's spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're the children of God. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons so that you don't relate to God as some technical distant God way up in the heavens somewhere. Rather, you speak to God as Abba, Father. There's nobody in the world that could call my daddy, daddy, but me. They could call him whatever they wanted to, but nobody could call him daddy, but me. Nobody could relate to him as daddy, but me. Same way with my children, same way with your children. You can relate to God as your Abba, your dad. He loves you that much. So behind the scenes in your life, he is working, collaborating, making sure that all things work together for good, the overruling hand of problem. And so we look next at the results of this promise. And so we see it reads, we are knowing that to the ones loving God, all things he is working into good, into good. That's the result. How can God take something hurtful and painful and sorrowful and work and work and work and work and one day we wake up in utter wonder and realize that God has, through the miracle of this divine synergy, worked us into something that was supremely good for our good and for the good of others and for God's glory. You say, I don't understand that. I don't get that. How can that happen? How could that ever happen? Well, I remind you that on the first day of creation, 
The Bible tells us that God took nothing in one hand over here and nothing in this hand over here and he put it together and after six days, the Bible says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Nothing and nothing and it was good. And he can take the hurt, the pain, the tragedy, I don't know how, you don't know how, I don't know the method he's going to use to do it, but we know that to the once loving God, all things he is working into good. Now, look at Paul's confidence in this promise. Now, we've already mentioned that about the certainty, but as far as Paul is concerned, this is not conjecture. He's sure about this. Look down at verse 35. At verse 35, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure... Paul says, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul said, I am sure of these things. Now let me ask you a question. How essential is it for you to believe this? Here's a promise in the Bible. Romans 8, 28. How important is it for you to believe this promise well I would think that it would be hard for you to be saved to say I believe that God will save me for all eternity I believe he's going to take me to heaven and save me for all eternity forgive me of my sins that Jesus died on the cross and he's going to take me to heaven to live with him for eternity if you can't believe this promise right here it's essential that you believe it because it is a certainty and again, we don't know the method that he will use to, to bring it into pass in your life. Now, th let's, let's talk about what this verse does not say. This verse does not say everything happens for a purpose. This is not talking about chance, that if you flip a coin enough, it'll land on heads more times than it'll land on tails, and everything will just work, everything will work out. Everything doesn't always just work out. That's not saying that. This verse says that in suffering, in difficulty, in hurt, in heartache, there's a power at work behind the scenes. God is working to bring good out of the most impossibly painful of circumstances. Now finally, the last point, and that is that God guarantees this purpose. So we read the verse. If you read it in Greek, it would say, we are knowing that to the ones loving God, all things He is working into good for the ones called according to His purpose. Let's talk about the purpose of God just a little bit. We got the purpose of God on the one hand, and we got your experience on the other. The purpose of God is, is good for you, his glory for you. Your experience doesn't read that way, does it? Not always doesn't read that way. And yet, 
That's the purpose of God for you. Let me give you an illustration. The purpose of God and the book of Job. Let's take the life of Job. How much happiness did Job have in his life? When you read in the, in the Bible, how much happiness did Job have? Twelve verses. He had twelve verses of happiness in the first chapter. And after that, his life fell apart. And the next 40 chapters, 40 and a half chapters in the book detail Job's pain and suffering that is unequaled in Scripture, unequaled in any life today. But in chapter 42, in the first two verses, after Job caught a glimpse of God, Job said this, Now I know that thou canst do all things and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. God's purpose can't be thwarted by whatever comes into my life or whatever comes into your life. It can't be thwarted. God has decreed it to be so. Why? Because you are His child. He loves you. Nothing will ever separate you from His love. His Spirit intercedes for you with groanings too deep for words. This is true, not for everybody, to the ones loving God. I can remember a long time ago, I had a hard time talking about loving God. It was awkward for me. It was clumsy. It was artificial. To some, to some extent for me as a guy, it even felt sissy talking about loving God. And then the reason it was that way is because I just didn't know God well enough. But as the years went by and I, I came to know the Lord and I came to experience God's love for me in real and personal ways. And I came to see how this works out in my life, that yes, bad things happen. Bad things come into my life. Bad things will come into my life. Bad things will come into your life. But sometimes it is in those very, very bad moments, in those discouraging moments, that you will encounter God in ways that you never dreamed. And you will realize that as we sang the song today, He knows my name. He knows my needs. He knows where I live. He knows what I'm going through. And you'll go through some of those things and you'll have some of those painful experiences and then one day you will wake up and you will say, how in the world did this happen? I look back on this now and it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. But I learned in that moment and I grew in that moment and I experienced God in that moment. And I can tell other people about how God was with me and what God has done for me. And it brings God's glory. It has worked good in my life and it will work good in the lives of others from this point forward. Only God could do that. It's something only God can do. This verse is not telling you that every experience of your life will be great, that every experience will be wonderful. This verse is telling you that in those experiences that are hurtful and painful, in the sufferings of this present time, there is a hand at work behind the scene. Two hands at work. God is at work. 
to take the nothing of some horrible experience over here and the nothing of some horrible experience over here and then when it's all said and done, we'll look at it and say, God, you worked it into something that no one else could. Now, I know that uh, you're here and you're probably thinking, well, that's true about some things, but not all things. Let me, let me caution you. You remember what the devil said to Eve? The devil said to Eve in the garden, he said, Hath God said that you couldn't eat from any tree in the garden? You know what God said? From every tree in the garden you may freely eat. But the devil said, God said, you couldn't eat from any tree. No, from every tree. But there was one tree that she was forbidden to eat from. This says all things. You say, no, 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 no. Some things may work together for good. But not my things. Not these things. No, no, no. Look at the verse. Stand on the promise. Let God be God. Let God say what he said. He said all things. God causes all things, all things to work together for good to them who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And no purpose of his can be thwarted by any pain or suffering, trial or tribulation, power, principality, things present, things to come. Nothing can thwart God's purpose for you or for me. Let's pray.